Well, thank you all for being here this morning. Appreciate all these beautiful faces here. Uh, social distancing, we can't high five anybody. So just turn to the people that are around you and just say, hey, I'm glad you're here. Sup, everybody. Every Sunday here at Shelby Christian Church, we offer a time for communion. And how important that is to us. So we take these emblems that represent the body and blood of Christ. We take part of the juice that represents his blood and the bread that represents his body. And may we be reminded of that amazing sacrifice. This is a debt we will never be able to pay back. Bar none. In the book of Revelation, there's an image that Paul has of Jesus and he sees him coming towards him. And when he recognizes that the, that was the Messiah, he lays down on his face almost as if he's dead. And Jesus had every opportunity to sit there and go, yep, that's exactly where you belong. I'm going to walk right over you. But he didn't. The Bible also says that greater has no love than one willing to lay down his life for another. You are my friends. So we take these emblems that represent the body and blood of Christ. We remember what an amazing sacrifice that was. Shall we pray? Glorious Father God, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for this body. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this community. We thank you for this banquet upon this hill. Father, we thank you so much that you are willing to allow your one and only love to come down on this earth to die for us so that we have hope in the resurrection the opportunity we have to be redeemed and be complete, holy in you. We take these emblems and remember his discipline, his focus, and the blood that covers not only a multitude of sin, but the multitude of sin. There's nothing your son cannot do. We thank you so much for a debt we will never be able to pay you back for. But because your love, your grace is so contagious, we don't have any other choice but to go and tell on the mountain. And may we be the limbs of your son's church. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Praise the name that makes the way. There's nothing. 
through the storm. He is Lord, Lord of all. You guys can have a seat. Through the storm, right? Through anything that we may experience in this world, whatever it may be, a global pandemic, social unrest in our country, he is Lord and Lord of all, even in the middle of the storm. Last Saturday night, if you were in Shelbyville, a storm rolled through our town. We were, uh, I was home with the boys, Melinda was out of town, and uh, we had sat down to watch a movie. Turned on Netflix, getting ready to watch a movie, and uh, the storm is out, so I'm thinking, well, we'll kind of, you know, we'll watch this movie. You know, the satellite goes out when it gets stormy, so we'll turn on a Netflix movie, right? Hopefully this will get us through. Well, we're sitting down and watch this movie. As soon as I turn on, five minutes into it, ten minutes into it, our electricity goes out, Right? And so you're there, the storm, it's, it's about ready to get dark. The electricity goes out. I'm like, oh, great. What, what am I going to do? With, you know, like these. And so one of our boys is sitting on the couch next to me. And, and he kind of, when the, when the lights go out, he kind of snuggles up a little bit closer, right? Because it's like he, he's getting scared. The other one says, when the lights go out, he say, whoa, it got really dark in here, Right? And I got to thinking about the darkness. You know, in the middle of the darkness, things can seem a little disorienting, can't they? Can be a little just scary, unsure. You ever tried to walk across a dark room in the middle of the night? You always stump your toe, right? In the darkness, last week we said that we are called out of the darkness into the light, that we are given a new life, that we have a new mission because of Jesus. And here's what we know. You know this, you sense this, that a lot of people in our community, our neighborhoods, maybe in our families, Friends are walking around in the dark, a spiritual darkness. And what they need is they need light. Because light is the only remedy for the dark, right? Light is what darkness calls for. And what we know as a church... And as people, some of us, a lot of us, who call Jesus our Lord and our Savior, we know that he has called us light. He has said, you are the light. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read this passage of Scripture. The lights are going to come back on here in a second. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. There we go. I'll turn this off. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out 
for all to see so that everyone will praise the heavenly father. And so what we know is that Jesus calls us, the church, to be the light. And what he says is, let your good deeds be shown. Not so you get a pat on the back and somebody goes, oh, look how wonderful those people are, that group of people. But that we show people the light and that we then point them back to him. That, that we understand that we don't save people. The church doesn't save people. But what we do and who we are called to be are people who point others, lost people, people stumbling around in the dark, back to the one who can save him. And that is what we are about. That's what we should be about. What you're going to see today in this passage of scripture that we're going to look at, we're going to be in Luke chapter 15. And we're talking, uh, we're walking through the, the book of Luke this whole year in 2020, and we're right in the middle of the gospel of Luke. And we're going to see today Jesus give us a snapshot, three different parables that he's going to tell, three different specific stories that are, that are in and of themselves about lost things. And what you will see today is that it is very clear in Jesus' words. These, every word that we're going to read today are words that Jesus said, recorded words of Jesus, okay? And so well, what you will see this morning is that everything that Jesus is about is lost people. Lost people matter to Jesus. They are his number one priority. And we'll see that today in our passage. We, as the body of Christ, are his instruments in this world. We were created and called to shine his light. You'll see a picture of that this morning. Look at Luke chapter 15. We're going to look at verse 4 as we begin this morning. Jesus was being criticized by some religious people for hanging out with sinners. Right? They were, they were criticizing him for that. And here's what he said. He told them this story. Well, he said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, will he joyfully carry it home on his shoulders? And when he arrives, will he call, uh, call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away, Jesus says. You know, I haven't, uh, haven't been around sheep a lot in my life. That may surprise you. Uh, but I, I, I've been told... And have read that sheep can be stubborn, right? They're not the smartest animals in the world either. And so they tend to, to wander off. They tend to kind of get lost sometimes. And they need tending to. That's why that's the profession of shepherds, right? And so they pin them in or they, they make sure that they're cared for. They watch over them closely so that they don't aimlessly wander off alone into danger. And so Jesus paints us this picture. Because he knew his hearers in the first century would, would readily just connect with what he's talking about when he talks about a shepherd and a sheep. And he paints us this picture of the one who's lost. And a shepherd who desperately wants to find that lost sheep. 
Enough so that he leaves the 99 in the safety and the comfort of being together, knowing that they will be okay while he's gone. And he searches, right, night and day, puts himself in danger, looking for this lost sheep. The shepherd helps the sheep find his way home. Jesus uses this parable to show us that lost people matter to God. So much so that he's willing to leave the 99. Look at the next parable that Jesus shares. In verse 8 he says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she, shine, sh- uh, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, will she call to her friends and her neighbors and say, Will you rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin? In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. And Jesus tells another story of something very valuable that's lost. And this search that ensues for the lost. But here's what I want you to notice in this story. There's an important distinction. The coin was lost inside of the house. You know, there are people inside of the church, or there are people that know about Jesus in the walls of churches all over the world today. But some of them may not know Jesus. They know about him. They could tell stories about him. Maybe they could even recite the books of the Bible. Maybe they even send a check-in every week or have gone on a mission trip. They know about Jesus, but they don't know him. It's possible to regularly sit in this room and still be lost like that coin. You don't have to to believe me. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. Here's what he says. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father in in heaven will enter. Right? This is a stark, should be startling warning for us. Uh, On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did miraculous things in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You break, you who break God's laws. And so there's this picture that Jesus paints. There's this idea. There's this understanding that is truth that says that there will be some that will stand on that day and go, but, 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 Lord, I did all these things. And he will say, sorry, I never knew you. But I knew all these things about you, and I did all these things in your name. But I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you, right? You never knew my son. You never accepted him completely and followed him completely. You knew about him. You knew a lot of the cool things he said. You you read all the parables. You read all the quotes, right? You studied the scripture even maybe, but I don't know you. That's what Jesus says will happen on judgment day for some. And so sometimes when we think about lost people, we envision people who are, are caught up in horrible things. Right, they're they're on the wrong side of, of whatever, and they've kind of backslid, or, or they're just involved in something really horrible. Or we think about people that are in remote parts of the world, you know, that don't haven't heard the gospel yet, just need a missionary to come. And those, those things are true, but sometimes, sometimes, the lost can be really near. They can be sitting next to us. They can be sitting across from us. They they can be 
in the mirror, right? And so we have to be careful and understand that, that just because someone's proximity is close to us in a church building or in a neighborhood or in a family, that, that they are not lost, that they don't know or that they know Jesus because lost people matter to him and that you and I are called to be light in the darkness for those people. Lost people can be far and they can be near, just like this coin that was in the room. It was in the house, but the search was on. Jesus tells a third story. Look at verse 12, or verse 11, I'm sorry, verse 11 of Luke 15. He says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this. A man had two sons. The younger son told them, I want my share of your estate now before, before you die. And so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. And a few days later, this younger son packed up all of his belongings and he moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money and wild living, Jesus says. You see, this son didn't just wander off in ignorance like the sheep. He wasn't lost inside the house like the coin. He willfully and arrogantly walked away from the father, walked away from his father's love and protection and provision, walked away from a relationship with his father who desperately loved him. Right, And so he steps out on his own, turns his back, and head down, heads down the road into this life. And Jesus paints another picture here of a son who turns on his father's love and a father who's heartbroken because of it. He chose to reject his father's way of living and abandon the family. And so like the sheep and the coin, he's lost. And so Jesus... Here in Luke chapter 15, tells three stories with the same theme. Something valuable became lost, and it desperately needed to be found. And so that brings us to a question this morning. Why should we care about lost people? After all, for for a lot of us, we, we, we know Jesus. We know about him. We know him. We are walking with him. So we're going to heaven. For a lot of us, why should we care about others who don't yet? The religious leaders thought that they insulted Jesus when they would say things like this. This man is a friend of sinners. You see, they thought that was an insult. They thought that was a a put down. They thought that was something they were making fun of Jesus. This man, can you believe the audacity of this guy to hang out with these people, to be around those kind of people? What in the world is going on with this guy? He's crazy. He eats with sinners. And what those religious, pious, arrogant people missed was Jesus' total mission. Because what we know when we read Scripture in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, Jesus says this, uh, these are his words. He says, I have come, the Son of Man has come to earth to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus says, I have one mission. I have one reason for coming, and my reason for coming is to seek and to save those who are lost, those who are far off from the Father, those who have walked away, those who are are strays, who, who have just wandered off, who have intentionally turned their back, those who don't know yet. They are stumbling around in the darkness, and they don't know better. And what they need 
is light. And he says, I'm going to send my church to be that light, like a city on a hill. And that's who we are. Lost people matter to Jesus. That's why he came. And then that's why he gave us our mission. Here it is in Luke or Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, 19, and 20. Jesus said this. He told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And what Jesus is saying here, right before he goes back into heaven to be with God the Father, he says, understand that I am telling you something, and what I am telling you has the full authority of God. It has the full authority of heaven. It is the most important thing you could ever wrap your brain around and wrap your heart around and be committed to, church. Here it is, the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands that I've given you, and be sure of this, I am always going to be with you, even to the end of the age. So we care about lost people, Because lost people matter to Jesus. It's his number one focus. It's the most important thing to him. And it should be to us as well. We care about those people who are in the dark, who stumble around in the darkness until someone shows them the light. And Jesus says, you are the one that should show them the light. So here's another good question. How do we reach those people? Well, we have to prioritize them. We have to make them a priority. The first part of our mission statement here at Shelby Christian Church says this. We exist to reach lost people. That's why we are here. That's why God has put us in Shelbyville, Kentucky at Shelby Christian Church to reach lost people. And so you guys that have been around for a while, you know that, that you have hired a staff, that you've established leaders, elders, and, and other leaders in this, in this church that have a heart beat for lost people. That's, that's the focus. And, and so here's what happens when, when that's the focus, is that those on the inside, the 99, can kind of look around and go, well, what, a, what about... What about us? What about me? We'll talk about that in a second. But, but notice that the, 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 the shepherd here leaves the 99 in the wilderness in search of the one. In search of one. And so what's the question that we ask? Who's your one? Who's your one? Who, who's the, the one person? You may have multiple ones, but who is the one person that is on your heart? If I, when I say that, ask that question or make that statement, like who is the person and you it immediately comes to your mind and your heart and you go, yep. I've, and I know that this is someone who I work with. This is my neighbor. This is my spouse. This is my, my kid, my grandchild, someone I'm on a team with or, 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 or I see on a regular basis. Right? Who is that one person that you know God's placed in your path, that you have a relationship with, that you know, without a shadow of a doubt, that they're just walking around in the darkness and they don't have a clue about who Jesus is? They've heard of him, but they don't know what it means to follow him, to live for him, to accept him as their, his, their, their Lord and their Savior, and to walk in the light. And so God's placed you, church, 
in position, and in place. It's not by happenstance. There's a strategy to this. Do you understand that there's a strategy to all of this? When you, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, Jesus says, I'm going to send you out. And you are going to have an opportunity to be light in the darkness. Now, you've got to be ready to be that light. But understand, there is a game plan. What I've done, Jesus says, is I've come to seek and save the lost. I'm going to go back to the Father, but I'm going to leave you this great commission and your marching orders, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to live within you, and I'm going to establish my church on earth, and it's going to be this place where lost people can come, and they can find hope, and they can find grace, and they can find mercy, and they can be healed, right? And you're going to be that light in your community and all over the world. That's who you are. Sometimes the, the, the 99 can look around and go, but, but what, about, what about our needs? And those needs are, are still important, right? The, the needs of those in the church are important. So we shouldn't ever be people who say, well, it doesn't matter. We shouldn't care about those who are in the church. We should. We should do everything we can to love them and care for them and as pastors and leaders and small group leaders and just Christians. It doesn't mean that we ignore the needs of our church family at all. It doesn't mean that we disrespect the opinions of, of our members and we listen to people who are on the inside. But it means that we have this heartbeat and we make decisions that are focused and center around those who are lost. I'm sure the 99 were ticked off at the shepherd. Maybe they felt abandoned. Maybe they felt like that he should tend more to their needs instead of running off to find a stray. Maybe if we're honest, we've kind of felt like that sometimes. And Jesus showed us that keeping the saved satisfied is far less important than making sure others are saved. Our friend Mark Jones has said this before, and I love this quote, and it's kind of the big idea for today. He said this, the church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not yet members. You get that? The church is the, really the only thing established that exists primarily for those who aren't here yet. Right? And so what we are preparing for when we gather here is we're preparing for your ones. We're preparing for your neighbors. And your friends, the people that you love desperately, your kids and your grandkids. That's who we prepare for. That's why we want to have incredible greeters and incredible first time experience here. And we want to have awesome worship. And we want to have, a, we want, we want this to be a place when somebody comes in and they are beaten down and they are broken and they are lost and they've got all the open wounds to show it. And they've been stumbling around in the darkness for days and weeks and months and maybe years. And they get here, right? Because you showed them the way. And what they find is a group of people who are on mission, who love Jesus. And who are living this incredible life on this incredible journey. Is it perfect? No. Are there difficulties? Yes. Is it hard, really hard sometimes? Absolutely. But it's this purpose that's beyond any other purpose that this world could give us. And Jesus says, you, church, are that light 
in this world. The church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefit of those who are not yet members. Lost people matter to Jesus. He prioritized the lost. He welcomed the lost home with open arms and with a great celebration. Let's look at how this story ends in Luke chapter 15. After the son comes to his senses and he decides to return home, here's what he says in verse 20. So Jesus says this, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. He was filled with love and compassion. And so he ran to his son, right? He embraced him. You get this picture of a father running down the road, sees his son far off, and he embraces him. He says to his son, the son says to his father, I have I've sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Right? The son who comes home and he, he's broken and he's beaten down. He realizes what he's done. He's just begging the father to accept him on on some level. But the father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the the calf that we've been fattening, and we will have this great celebration with the feast. For this son of mine was dead, and now he has returned to life. He was lost. Now he's found. And so the party began. Right? There is this great celebration, Jesus says. He talks about it in all three of the stories. The shepherd calls his friends in and says, Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. The woman who lost her coin calls her friends in and says, Rejoice with me. I found this precious coin. I've been searching for, for so long. I finally found it. And this father, whose son has come home, Celebrate with me. There is a great celebration to be had because that which was lost is now found. Lost people are the priority. Not because I came up with this, but because they matter to Jesus. May we always be, may we always be a place where lost people who are stumbling around in the darkness and who are thirsty for something and they have no idea even what it is, but may they come here and may they be refreshed and filled and inspired and encouraged and healed and equipped to then turn around and go do the same thing for their lost friends, right? That's why we're here. Someone went on in search of you at some point. You were astray. You were off course. You were in the darkness. And someone cared enough about you, whether it was a parent or a grandparent or or a teacher or a coach or a youth minister or a Sunday school teacher. Someone cared enough about you to show you the light. We're called to do the same thing. May we be light in the darkness. Would you guys pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for today. And I thank you for the opportunity that we have as a church family to gather in this place. For those of us who've been watching online to gather in in their homes and to watch this on their computer, on their TV, but we gather as a church, whether it's in this building or all over this community or all over the world, we're thankful that you've called us. 
out of the darkness. You've given us a new life and a new mission and a new purpose. God, I thank you that we've experienced this morning a time of communion where we can just stop, take a breath, and be reminded what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. God, that we can just stop, hit the reset button, and sing these songs of of worship and, and praise and think about how incredible you are and that you deserve all of our attention and adoration. And God, I thank you for your word that reminds us, that corrects us, that rebukes us, that inspires us, sets us apart and on a new path. Not because of anything that that we've done or said, but because of what you've already said through your words in your Bible. Thank you for that. Thank you for those words that are powerful. Thank you for these parables that we can study that that Jesus taught us that are just stories that, that he came up with to illustrate his love for lost people. May we be that kind of a church. God, my prayer this morning is if there's one person in this place that has been contemplating, been wrestling with, maybe been praying about, talking with some friends about what it means to accept Jesus, that they would would make that decision today. They would seek one of our pastors out, that they would come up here to the front, maybe after the service. We'll be down here on on the steps. We'd love to talk to them about what it means to accept your son and walk in his ways. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's his name I pray. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for being here today. Just a couple quick announcements before you leave. If you're visiting with us today, we'd love to connect with you. Uh, Brett will be uh, back there in the back. So if you guys are uh, want to ch- check in with him, we'd love, love that. And then the last thing is uh, there's a couples cookout this Friday night. I think we have almost uh, 30 couples so far signed up. So that's going to be a fun night. You can still sign up for that. Kevin's leading that. So if you have questions about that, you can call him this week or, or send him an email. There's a banner on our website uh, to sign up for that couples cookout. It'll be outside. Obviously, over here um, on our uh, um, in the grass, and so we'll have a good time Friday night. Hope you guys will be a part of that if you want to. Uh, thanks for being here today. Have a great week. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next weekend.